We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When it's time for a new credit card, the best ones do way more than just buy stuff. And that's why U.S. Bank offers credit cards that make every day more rewarding. Earn cash back, score points when you shop, dine out, travel, or binge watch, or get a low intro APR. U.S. Bank credit cards were designed to fit your lifestyle. So make every day more rewarding and check out usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Most Tuesdays are just Tuesdays, except at Buffalo Wild Wings, where Tuesdays are Wing Tuesdays. But now even Wing Tuesdays aren't just Wing Tuesdays, because Wing Tuesdays are half-price Wing Tuesdays, which means your boring Tuesday that became Wing Tuesday now costs you half as much. In case you're confused, we have half-price Wing Tuesdays. We do it for you. Buffalo Wild Wings. Wings. Beer. Sports. Prices and participation vary. See participating locations for details. Void or prohibited. Sports. You can use the promo code ROTOHOOPS when you deposit for a free contest entry on DraftKings today. It is Tuesday, March 1st. Nick Whalen joined as usual on Tuesdays by RotoWire's own DJ Trainer. DJ, how is it going? You started this podcast without any warning whatsoever. I'm just trying to catch up, Another trying to pull trigger. up some tabs. We were just, you know, shooting shit there to start with, and then uh, we're, we're going for it now. I'm ready. I'm ready now. Yeah, you, we were 36 seconds in, and you've already sworn. All right, so we're going to get the bleep button out. I downloaded that sound effect a while ago, and I haven't had to use it, but I'm glad I have a reason to now. Um, but, yeah, like you said, we were uh, shooting the, the crap, I guess, <laughs> for lack of a better term. Um, 
beforehand, and, and you called me out for saying that I like Keurig coffee more than your well, traditional well, regular coffee. So I, appre- I applaud you for get, wanting to get my candid reaction and your candid reaction to this. Um, so I guess that's why you hit record so quick is because you wanted this to all be, I'll be going. Yeah, I also just wanted to get to lunch a little bit sooner. Gotcha. Ten four. Let's yeah, let's keep it going. Lunch. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, Kiri coffee, I think, is overwhelmingly uh, better than your traditional coffee maker coffee. Uh, I like coffee maker coffee. I, I just think you just don't get the the general richness of that. Uh, you know, in in the Keurig, you get that. You don't get that in the regular coffee. And we're using purified water in the office now. We got we somehow got a subscription to some sort of water <laughs> delivery service. Uh, so we're not using the cloudy Madison City water anymore, and still, I, I don't think it. I don't think it holds a candle to the Keurig coffee. Coffee maker co- coffee is easily, like, quickly going to be the title of this podcast. So I'm glad we got that sorted out we'll right from the jump. Um, I have to slap the explicit label on this one. <laughs> hey, I'm just trying to keep up with the Friday pod. I probably should pull out the bleep a lot more. I, let's just. Well, I have not pulled it, ever pulled it out, and I probably should have a few times. So uh, my apologies out there you guys for are that. A little edgier. Um, speaking of edgy, let's get right into it. Chuck the California Condor. <laughs> this could be this could be a separate podcast. This could be a couple, probably a saga, maybe four to seven podcasts just about this. One, the Clippers didn't announce that this was happening until six hours before game time, if that. And I don't even know if they announced it. I think it just kind of leaked, and writers had said, oh, boy, the mascot's coming at halftime. The reaction wasn't great. I think I think Chuck Chuck got off on the wrong foot with basketball Twitter. Uh, not Chuck's fault. Poor design. Why is he wearing pads? Did he skateboard in? He didn't didn't appear to be skateboarding. He didn't appear to be rollerblading. There were no wheels anywhere near him. A lot was going on with this. Steve Ballmer dunked off a trampoline. Uh, Brad Stevens did the same earlier this week. Who's next? I don't know. Uh, could it be George Carl? Could it be Pop? Is every coach going to jump off a trampoline at some point? Um, but I. As you can tell, I'm still kind of reeling. I'm still trying to process everything about Chuck, and I think a lot of people are. What was your reaction to this? I, I think I think most people were kind of tuned in. It was halftime of this Clippers game, so probably about 10, 10.30 our time, which was you know prime basketball Twitter territory. Yeah, I have so much to talk about this. I'm just just let me fly. Go take a break and just oh, leave yeah, me with an nice. open open mic here. First of all, if I swear within the first 30 seconds of any podcast, know that the discussion is leading towards Chuck, the California Condor. Uh, pastel pink, interesting color, pads on the knees, pad on the elbows. Not sure what's going on there. I think he's just protecting protecting himself from Balmer's rangy elbows um, because I'm assuming they're going to hang out together quite a bit. I will say, man, you got to applaud Balmer because he will not be outdone by a mascot. I I, I think he's putting his official stamp as uh, being the Clippers' actual mascot. Uh, I think he was a little taken aback that uh, obviously uh, he, he obviously played a huge role, you would think. But, I mean, make no mistake. It seemed like he was maybe behind this. I tell you what, though, DVR, on DVR on the SiriusXM show today, uh, characterized Balmer as he flew midair as a mummy uh, because his body was so stiff. And I think that's a very, very fair comparison. Uh, but it's not fair when DeAndre Jordan is flying high and you have Balmer come in with his 59-year-old back, his 59-year-old receding hairline, or lack thereof. So, uh, hmm. What a night. Who cares about the game? Like, we're not talking about no, it. That, I mean, we're not talking about that game. There were some other games to touch on. But, that I mean, that was the game, really. And I, th- I think that's kind of how Balmer wanted it. I mean, the, the crying Jordan face was slapped on poor Chuck uh, probably within two to three minutes of the reveal. 
again, he was not met with much much respect, um, despite throwing down a, a pretty solid one-wing dunk. He cupped it in his wing. Um, <laughs> you know, Condors have very long wings and, and was able to put that down. I was impressed with that, and we might see that maybe at All-Star Weekend in Charlotte uh, next year. But, you know, I think it was Zach Harper from CBS Sports who said on Twitter that there were, he never stood a chance. No matter what this mascot was going to be, everyone was going to hate it, right? Like, what would what is, like, the image of a cool condor named Chuck that you'd be like, wow, hey, all right, I love this mascot. There isn't uh, such a thing. Leather jacket, black leather jacket would help. You know, obviously there's not going to be great reception anyway. Yes. But like here's the thing. Condor? Yeah, you can't, like, be lowered down into the stadium. Um, some, like, tech guy is, like, crouching down, releasing the ribbons from, from your, your hips. When you introduce a mascot, I want to propose, you know, just all black in the arena, black, uh, black leather jacket in the corner. You do a spotlight. He's smoking a cigarette. No, well, no, no, no. Let me finish here. Let me paint the picture for the people out there. Um, halftime, not after. It's after the game. the The mascot's too cool to show up during the game. You know, arena goes black. You do a light over in the corner. He's smoking a cig. He's got a glass of whiskey. He's hanging out. He doesn't care about the game. You want to be his friend. You want to be around him. You want to be cool. Um, and it all starts with a black leather jacket. Is this like the Ray Liotta of mascots? This is like, like the Fonz of mascots. I, I don't know. I think maybe in maybe in like the eighties, that would have been a, maybe a better idea. I don't. First of all, the smoking thing, like I, you know, no, I don't think I don't think they want him doing that. That would be that would have been something though. Um, I'm just glad that there wasn't any malfunction with him being lowered from the rafters, as we saw with poor Rocky uh, a couple <laughs> years ago in Denver. I almost, actually almost died uh, in a similar stunt. Um, so, I mean, I'm, I'm very glad that the safety was, was first and foremost there. Doc Rivers had some comments after the game about the Condor. He was on board. Uh, he, I think he said something along the lines of, you know, much like the Clippers, uh, Condors were once extinct, now we're back. Um, so, you know, there's that. Only last thing I'll say about this is I don't like that he's wearing number, I think it was 312, which I think is an area code, I would imagine. Um, that's just not a real number, and it also <laughs> limits me from getting a personalized Chuck jersey from the NBA store. So, oh, I'm uh, sure they'll be readily thing. available for you over the next... Uh, I hope so. So let's talk about actual basketball. I had the pleasure of watching a Cavs game with you this past Friday uh, at uh, at Wayland Castle, and you are Chateau a... Whalen. Chateau de Wayland. And you are a massive LeBron guy, and obviously that Toronto Cavaliers game came down pretty close. I've never seen you so fidgety and just like uncomfortable, sweaty palms. I can imagine uh, we were just trying to relax and have a good time, but you were really, you were really I was, bothered. I was bothered. I was. I, you know, I, I don't get that worked up usually uh, for for any other kind of games, but. I don't know. I mean, I, I, I'm not going to sit here and say I'm rooting for the Cavs to win the title, but I wouldn't mind seeing that. And I think that came through maybe a little bit on Friday. I certainly wasn't impressed with what I saw uh, from Cleveland down the stretch in that game, just repeatedly letting Terrence Ross somehow uh, kind of will them back into that. Obviously, Lowry played really well. Kyrie defensively has been a train wreck uh, since coming back from that knee injury. That was, that was evident last night against Indiana. That was very evident. Against Toronto, he wasn't even in the, on the floor at the end of that game. Um, obviously, a big part of the reason that Kyle Lowry had the game that he did. So, you know, that was kind of the big takeaway for me is that, you know, LeBron played pretty well for Cleveland. Love 
you know, did his usual love things, which I think at some point we just kind of have to accept that that's what it's going to be and stop saying, you know, once he figures this out and it's been almost two seasons and then that's just not going to happen. Um, but they need to figure out something defensively with Kyrie. And that kind of leads us into these reports from Stephen A. Smith. So, you know, whether or not you want to identify those as reports or hearsay or whatever, saying that Kyrie's not happy with his role in Cleveland, uh, things aren't working out like he thought. You know, after the game, of course, Kyrie was asked about it, completely dismissed it, said it was false, said all the right things, whether that's true or not. But, I mean, if you want to – we'll start looking at this, you know, rumor aside. And I don't even think – I don't think it would be any big shock if Kyrie wasn't super thrilled with how things are going just because his performance has been criticized so much and, you know, he's kind of been up and down. But at the same time, he came into the league as the number one pick with his team and, and went through, what, three horrendous seasons in a row where they were kind of the laughing stock of the league. And obviously he didn't have much around him, but he's also never been the type of guy where you say, you know, he's he alone you know can, can kind of will you into playoff contention similar to what, you know, John Wall's doing for Washington this year. He's just not that complete player on both ends. He's not that rebounder. He's not that, that great, great uh, setup guy like Wall is turning into. Um, but, it, I mean, looking at this from, from Cleveland's perspective, is there concern about how Kyrie can be used down the stretch? Or, or how big of a how big of a factor was Kyrie being hurt in, in that they were able to use that defensive focus lineup with Shumpert and uh, with Della Vadova to get them to the finals last year? Are they going to be in danger if they face Toronto in the Eastern Conference Finals? And, you know, is there going to be an issue where maybe you can't have Kyrie Irving on the floor defending Kyle Lowry? You need to get the bleep button ready again. I'm so tired. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, it's, yeah. put your put your finger over it and let's do this thing. I'm so tired of us just like berating and beating up the Cavaliers. I mean, you're going to have lumps and bruises throughout the course of the season. And for us to magnify a two-game performance against two pretty solid teams, by the way, against Toronto, um, against Charlotte and Boston, you know, those are good teams. Um, they're gonna have they're gonna have some issues, um, and they take care of business against an Indiana team that they should be taking care of businesses. They're not the Warriors. We're trying to hold them to the standard of the Warriors again. How many times do we have to say it? If you look at their record last year compared to this year, they're exceeding expectations. They have gotten better with this three-man core that they have and the ancillary pieces around him. They are doing just fine. It is stupid and dumb to chastise a a two-game stretch, a week stretch. It's a long season. There's nothing to be concerned about. Every time one little thing happens, and it happens in two or three games in a row, we're ready to write off Kevin Love. We're ready to say, Iman Schumpert, get him out of town. Um, Kyrie Irving, no good on defense, not rebounding enough not assisting enough I mean get him out of town this isn't working and it's it's just ridiculous it's absurd I'm pretty glad that I didn't swear through that but hopefully my emotion came through to just say everybody chill out it's gonna be all right easiest well, path to the finals all right is because I think they'll get come to the on don't you dare well, play you know what I mean though but I mean I, I mean you can say it's gonna be all right but what is what is all right for Cleveland fans you know is is all right just you know kind of being right there for the title, but maybe not being able to beat Golden State or San Antonio or OKC over these next couple of years. I mean, for most teams, sure, that should be all right. You know, it's not ideal, but it's pretty all right. There aren't many teams that are contending for titles year in and year out. But it, I think you are right to say that people hold Cleveland to an unrealistic, <clears throat> excuse me, unrealistic standard, um, both kind of on and off the court. You know, the, you, Oklahoma City just lost three out of four. They, they lost, they blew one at home to Indiana. They get creamed at home by Cleveland. They blow a game that they should have won against Golden State. 
Uh, Durant fouling out, of course, had, had something to do with that. But they were in position. They were up four with what, 14 seconds left after Durant hit that three in, in regulation. Um, and, you know, there's there's some criticism, to be fair, but there's not nearly as – I mean, if that happened to the Cavs. Right. You know, And you know what's come out of this losing streak for the Thunder is, you know what everyone is actually saying is, wow, I guess they can contend with the Warriors. That's So there, there's your difference right, right there. It's black and white. Exactly. Yeah, it is, it, that, that is something to be – there's something to be said there for sure. Um, but to be fair, they also don't have – they all, Cleveland has in some ways perpetuated the drama in you know by itself by firing its coach mid-season when they had the number one record in the league and the highest paid payroll up, changing the starting lineup you know as they did last night I mean they're they're not exactly going about this quietly um, but at the same time I think I think there's still too much chatter because like you said Golden State sets such an unrealistic standard that when another good team loses two games in a row you know the panic button just starts blinking and it's not it's not really fair and I'm, I'm part of the reason for that, I guess. You are Not the reason. Not actually, of course, but on Friday night I was. Yes. Right. I couldn't believe it. It was so, I don't know. You're just a very I mean, calm, you, cool, you and collected have, guy. Yeah. And you clearly have never watched Cavs games. I mean, you weren't, you weren't with me in the finals last year. Yeah. No, I guess, no, and I realized that on Friday. I was like, wow, I guess we never have truly sat down and watched a Cavs game, besides like being in the office and it being on the TV or something like that. But, uh, yeah, you are a LeBron uh your witness, though. yeah. I am a witness. I have a shirt that says that. Two of them, actually. Uh, <laughs> probably not going to be wearing those anytime soon because I'm going to get made fun of in the office. Um, but, yeah, enough about Cleveland. They, they beat uh, Indiana last night. Not exactly the most convincing win, but Pacers aren't exactly you know the least formidable opponent either. Uh, the big takeaway, of course, nationally from this game was that LeBron didn't uh, run behind Paul George on a fast-break dunk. He kind of slowed up. Um, not really a big deal to me at all. I think George was like three steps ahead of him and was, you know, at, it's Paul George. You know, it's not like he's chasing down George Hill. You're not going to go block Paul George at the rim. Hey, LeBron James has that image burned in his mind of Paul George on the fast break, breaking his leg just like everybody else. He does not want to encourage. What? No, it just you just let Paul George just go in. Just take it. You know, you deserve this one, you, big you're guy. Saying, like, you didn't want to re-injure him? I'm just saying everybody remembers that, and that's probably what flashed through his head. If he were to put some pressure on him, another misstep, something like that. I know that's not what happened, but, I mean, come on. Line, so not too much to complain about there. Four turnovers. LeBron, 33, 5, and 4. Two steals. Love, 4 of 14, uh, 13. Eight and six assists, though. I mean, that, and that's – he. this is something that, you know, earlier this season or last season, if Love would go 4 of 14, it would, I think it would get to him maybe a little bit more. Uh, and it would affect the other areas of his game, and he probably wouldn't finish with six assists. But I think maybe that speaks a little bit if we're trying to find a positive from that line to the fact that if he's not hitting his, his spot-up shots or you know if he's having trouble in the lane, I, I tuned into this game for a little bit, saw him kind of try a sweeping hook and get absolutely <laughs> swatted by, by Yad Mahimi. Um, he's still able to, to be a positive factor for this Cavs team. Um, yeah, Paul George, slow start to this one. Did turn it on early in the second half. He got going, finished with 23-8-6. Pretty respectable line for him. I, I expected a little bit more out of Miles Turner uh, in this one, but just eight points and four boards in 29 minutes for him. Monte Ellis, 28 points, two assists, one rebound. A very Monte Ellis line. The biggest the biggest game of the night, I think, this would, for me, it would always be the biggest game of the night. But I think I can actually say this and not just be labeled a homer on this podcast, but Bucks 128 
Rockets 121. And I, Frank Madden of Brew Hoop, I think, put it best last night right after the game saying, this box score for the Bucks looks like a piece of fan fiction, honestly. <laughs> and really, that, that's extremely accurate. Jabari Parker, 36 points, five assists. That's a career high. Four rebounds, 16 field goals made in this game. Giannis, 18, 17, 11, 4, and 2. Only player since 1983 to ever have that line. Chris Middleton, 30 points on 11 shots. It was just one of those games where, you know, they're running. They're, the pace is up, something that hasn't really been the case for this team this season. Greg Monroe played reduced minutes. And this is this is what this is the exact image of what people thought this team could be at its peak this season. Unfortunately, we're 60 games in, and this is the first time we've really, really seen it. Thank you for the segue, Nick. And I think I've been the first one out there to say this as, you know, I essentially just like hate on the Bucks without every opportunity I get. It comes out of love, people. It comes out of love. Um, this should have been happening at the beginning of this year. I mean, let's be honest here. This type of momentum existed at this point last year. They went into the off season, and they started, and it was just gone. It was completely gone. And say what you want about Greg Monroe or losing Zaza Pachulia, how important that was to the whole puzzle piece. It probably was. But while this was very exciting, if you're a Bucks fan or you know if you're just a league pass person, this was one of the best league pass games of the year, I would say, in terms of watching three young guys really come out and show out. But in reality, like you said, Nick, we're 60 games into the season. There's only 22 left. Like, where was this for the first 60 games? Now we're at the same point of last year where if they keep this up and they keep this going, big whoop, because it's all about the offseason. Can they continue their training and can they carry it over into next season? Right now, I, I'm just like, it's more frustrating than it is encouraging because I, I just, I don't know. There's, you had 60 games to do this. Why is it taking so long? I don't understand. Yeah, I mean that that's fair, I guess. Um I, I mean they made some adjustments. It's not it's not like this just came out of nowhere. I mean Giannis playing much more on the ball of late. I mean he's averaging nine assists over. Adjust sixty games. Ga- it took you sixty games to make the appropriate adjustments yeah, where you did. Well that's that's where you can maybe direct the criticism is it took you this long to make the adjustments. It's not that the players just hit game sixty and started playing well, it's that it took sixty games to find that combination. Houston's defense isn't great. That needs to be noted. I mean, this team just lost by double digits home against Detroit on Saturday. I mean, it, it, it's not all been rosy right now, and, and we'll find out on Wednesday there as they continue their homestand excuse me, against Indiana, um, you know, a formidable opponent as well. So we'll, we'll see if this continues. I mean, it, certainly you're not going to get 30 from Jabari and Middleton and a triple-double from Giannis every night. I mean, this, probably, this isn't going to happen again this season, but – you just can't go – they can't come out on Wednesday against Indiana and Parker go, you know, 5 of 14 from the field for 12 points and four rebounds. Like, that can't happen. You know, you need to use this – you need to use this as a stepping stone. You don't, need to, you don't need to use this as the baseline or the standard for what needs to happen every night now, but you need to use this uh, as more than just a fluke game and, and, and look in the mirror and say, you know, we're a team that's 10 games under 500. We can't play like this every night. But we, you know, a couple months ago, we thought we could play like this or close to this, and it just never happened. So I think there's there's part of me that thinks this team has nothing to lose, and you know, maybe this is kind of the the spur they need, probably not to get into the playoffs, but just to at least, like you said, build a little momentum going into next season because. From the looks of it, this core is going to be back. You, you know, Greg, Greg Monroe, pretty up in the air. He wasn't really a part of this, and I think that, that this is kind of an indictment <laughs> on him. And that he played well. I mean, he only played twenty minutes. Yeah, I think he had twelve points off the bench. I mean, five of nine shooting, six boards. You can't really complain about that. He was a plus ten. Um, but when you see 
that they're playing six possessions per 48 faster with Giannis on the court last night and five possessions per 48 faster with uh, with Parker on the court. You know, you kind of got to see that there's that divide there in, in playing styles. And if you're judging from this game and and from how highly they think of Parker and Antetokounmpo, if you have to choose one or the other, either Monroe's style or, you know, the, the style that scored 128 points last night, I think you're probably going to pivot away from Monroe. So, yeah, and I think we've kind of been saying that for quite some time. If you listen to the, the apparently the Dirty Friday podcast with Ken Kreitz and Shannon McEwen, uh, Ken Kreitz has been all over that. He just, you know, has not liked that signing from the get-go. Uh, give him credit, you know, you know, blind squirrel finds a nut every now and then, I suppose. Uh, but so here's my encouraging stance on the Bucks because yeah I'm always like gloom and doom about the Bucks but again it comes out of love because they were my first favorite professional team. So um, one thing that I've been saying all season long too is that I don't know how Parker, Middleton, and Giannis can all play together effectively because they kind of play all they all play small forward and they play versions of small forward. So if I'm looking for something encouraging, I'm looking at this box score and I'm saying, wow, they can be a high flying team, a somewhat position less team if you want to use that uh, verbiage and so from that area from that point of view I like it a lot if I'm a Bucks fan or somebody who's interested in the Bucks even for fantasy purposes is that this dynamic with these three players that being this similar in height stature weight and and skill set can all play together at a high pace so um, sure that's encouraging what I really want to see before I'm gonna really start gushing is can they have an off season that molds into them firing on all cylinders right in the first week of the season um, you know not messing around and like we've kind of denoted maybe that's uh, the front office's problem to deal with and that not messing up the team dynamic that gave you the momentum at the end of last season and Jason Kidd realizing that as well so I'm not going to put all of the onus on these three players in particular um, there's a lot of blame or a lot of work to be done uh, that should go all around yeah I mean you said that Parker Giannis and Middleton you think are all small forwards and that's well, I fair. think they're That's close enough, close enough to where, like, if you have three play, if you have three young budding players, ideally you would point guard, shoot, small forward, and center, right? You wouldn't want to, you wouldn't want to step on anybody's toes. Yeah, it, it totally depends. I mean, these guys are so versatile. Middleton and, and Antetokounmpo, especially. I mean, you, all three of these guys played at least forty minutes, so it, it wasn't like they were cycling them in. And you know, Middleton scored thirty, while the other two were on the bench. You know, they were able to get them working together, and that's because Giannis was playing on the ball. And you had Parker at the four, Middleton at the three, and either Mayo or Bayless was on the court at one point throughout this game. They were never on the court together, but they combined for 48 minutes. So you had you had Middleton at the three virtually the entire game. You had Giannis at the point virtually whenever he was in the game. You know, Mayo brings it up sometimes, Bayless brings it up if they get a rebound, whatever. But Giannis is a guy initiating offense, and I think that's what's been the big change for them is it's not Carter Williams who turned it over seven times against Detroit on Saturday and uh, I, want, I think it was Jeremy Schmidt of, of the great Bucks blog, Bucksketball, on ESPN's True Hoop Network, who said that Giannis last night in these last four or five games has been what they want Carter Williams to be, a point guard, right? A big point guard who defends, who dishes the ball, who doesn't need to shoot all that often. You know, Giannis only took 12 shots in this game, and he appears perfectly content not scoring as much if it means more playmaking. So... Let me retract my statement a little bit or maybe specify when I'm talking about having three players that all play small forward. I'm afraid that 
I have been afraid, I think I've seen it too, is where because you have these players that are all somewhat similar, that you're going to force one of them into a role that just doesn't quite work for them. And so in that case, maybe it's Jabari playing the four where it hasn't worked out or it's going to take some time to adjust. Um, the fact that they all are so versatile, Giannis being the most versatile of all of them, it, it makes it work. But it, when I say three players playing the same position, it just seems like that you know one of them could get forced into something where they're uncomfortable. Uh, so if we're looking at a comp, Alec Burks in Utah, they haven't had a lot of point guard help, and he's been on record saying, you know, I just don't feel comfortable bringing the ball up, being the ball to say, I want to play off the ball. Um, but it just hasn't worked out from a personnel standpoint. So I would hate for a Parker to get, you know, the first three seasons of his career to get off to a bad start because the Bucks are molding in him into something that naturally just doesn't come to him because of the two other young stars they have on their roster. Right, and I think this is something, I don't know if I talked about it with you or, or with someone else earlier, that there was kind of that issue of maybe the Bucks are trying to develop too many guys at once. And, you know, you, you kind of think of it as you have a certain number of resources that you can designate to these players for development. And if you're, you know, if you're pouring all your development into one player, there's probably a better chance that he'll turn out. But if you're dividing it amongst four or five players and trying to develop them all at the same time, maybe they all are kind of hindered by that. So... You know, it's one game. It's it's important not to to take this and and think this is the Bucks from now on. I mean, because it's not. Uh, but it was maybe a glimpse into the future. Um, you know, even bad teams sometimes have their night. But this this was one of those nights that it was it was such a convincing kind of wire to wire performance, uh, offensively, not defensively. That that's a whole other story that, that we'll get into another time. But it was one of those games that that I think Bucks fans were certainly waiting for. Uh, transitioning. Boogie almost killed Steven Adams last night. He was but about foot and a half away from maybe giving I mean, we shouldn't say killed Steven Adams. He would it would have been a punch that would kill most men. Steven Adams probably <laughs> would have just kind of shaken it off and, and gotten back up and ran down the floor, but they got tangled up a little bit. It looked like Steven Adams was kind of holding Boogie's foot as he was trying to get away. Boogie maybe not trying to get away as cleanly as he probably could have. Uh but that led to a, a half swing that Probably had Vlade Divac, you know, gasping and everyone in that arena because that was close to being what would have been a pretty huge black eye for DeMarcus Cousins. Right, because... I mean, the league, really. We haven't seen anything like that in a while, have we? Yeah, mostly because Steven Adams was on the ground, sitting on the ground, and his back was to Cousins. And so if Cousins would have followed through, it would have been, like, in his neck. And if yeah. you watch MMA, they stop fights if, if you're hitting the back of their head like that. So it's it's pretty dangerous. So there's... I right, MMA. discussing this yeah, in yeah. MMA terms. No, <laughs> I mean, he his... wasn't... Adams wouldn't have had time to brace for it. No, Adam, it would have... the last time that we've had an on-court incident like that? There was the Harden-Artest thing. That, that was probably even, that was probably it. That, that wasn't even that bad as far as as far as those things go. Well, here's the question I want to ask you because I put it out there on Twitter. Um, do you praise Boogie for not punching Adams for restraining himself, or do you chastise him for clenching his first and doing a half swing in the first place? Because uh, so answer that, and then I want to follow up with a different example. So a lot of people out there, like a lot of people, Rachel Nichols from The Jump was one of them. A lot of uh, your newspaper beat writers said, wow, Boogie is really matured by holding off on that punch right there. And I'm not even jo- like I don't think anybody was joking about no, this. No, they They're very serious that they, they applauded him for not swinging all the way through. Now, I, no, I thought that too. Actually, that's funny that you mentioned this because 
for most players, it would be you know the storyline. Like let's say if, Chase Budinger, exactly. Like, it would be like, whoa, this guy's crazy. Like he almost punched him. But if, with Boogie, it's like, whoa, hey, he didn't almost punch him. Like if nice. LeBron James did a half swing, we would we yeah. this whole podcast would be talking about it. Yeah, I, I I don't know if there's I guess there's no like suspensions for intent in the NBA, but no, I, I thought that was interesting. But uh, Boogie. Boogie's boogie, so I guess I'm fine with <laughs> I'm fine with him being somehow congratulated for almost punching someone, but not fo- not following through because I don't know. Maybe three years ago he does follow through and he's suspended for the rest of the season. Who knows? What a baseline to set for yourself, right? What, what wow. A penalty. Had he followed through, let's say I mean obviously he doesn't twenty games. Let's say Adams you know falls to the floor, he's probably concussed. Whatever it is. A, a, a brawl probably breaks out on the court after that because the Thunder come running, whatever. But I think it'd be the rest of the season, right? I think it has to be. I mean, we're at the point where it's like 22, 23. I think every team is within 21 to 24 at this point um, on this, on this Tuesday that we're filming. So um, I think you have to do it. I mean, it's just such a, it's, it was going to be such a defenseless hit on Adams because he was on the ground back to boogie and boogie was just about to deck him for everything. It doesn't matter that if it was defenseless or not, it's first of all, it's boogie who's kind of on the radar for things like this. And I mean, a punch is a punch, really, especially when it's coming from a guy like that. But you look know, at how me, deep down, a very small part of me wished just to see what would have happened. Oh, yeah, I yeah, took I took a screenshot of it there. last night, and wow. the screenshot is vicious. Just the way that Adams is positioned, and the like, just the the windup. I mean, this is this is vicious, man. It is, it is. Um, but I think we're all glad that that he didn't follow through on that. Be part of the action all season long at DraftKings.com, the official DFS partner of RotoWire. With Daily Fantasy, you don't need to spend months micromanaging a roster. You can play whenever you want. Pick a new team every time you play. Challenge your friends in a custom league to prove that you're the superior GM, or you could square off against basketball fans from around the country for big prizes. Go to DraftKings.com now. Enter the promo code ROTOHOOPS to play free. DraftKings, the official partner of RotoWire. That's promo code ROTOHOOPS at DraftKings.com. All right, other notes from last night. Wizards? That's a question. Wizards are, are they are they quietly making a, a little bit of a playoff push? I think they're a game and a half out of the eight seed. All of a sudden, um, blew a huge lead last night against Philadelphia. Ended up being able to to kind of come back and close it out. No surprise there. John Wall had a big game. Had some words with Ish Smith uh, between quarters, which was interesting. Ended up, I guess they're friends. He clarified after the game, but um, they weren't friends during that point. Um, but I mean, what do you think about the Wizards? Is Marquise really hasn't been a difference maker for them quite yet. It, it was Wall and Gortat who really did most of the heavy lifting last night. They didn't have, they still haven't had Allen Anderson. Gary Neal was out. Um, whether or not you think those two guys make the difference, I don't really care. Randy Whitman seems to think that Allen Anderson is is the reason that they've that they've fallen. Down highest, he has bit. the highest plus minus on their team, by the way, so far. He hasn't even played this season. Oh wait, what? Allen Anderson? I mean, if he has, he's played like two games. Okay, well, right. So in those two games, and he's he's yeah. has the highest plus minus if he's sure. played. Um, anyway, so that is uh, prelude to, to trivia. I was looking that up. Um, I tell you what. So you had Markeith Morris move into the starting lineup last night over Jared Dudley. I think Jared Dudley saw 18 minutes, and Markeith saw something like 30 or something. You know, pretty high. Uh, Morris's stat line was 16, 13, five assists, two steals, a block. I mean, he's helping you out all over the place. He didn't knock down a knock down a three, but even the fact that he is. Uh, an option from beyond, you know, that stretches the court. And we know that Whitman loves to stretch the court. Let me remind you again, at 
portions during the you know the first half of this year. They had Jared Dudley playing the five at points, so we know what Randy Whitman likes to experience experiment with, and maybe the best example of that is Paul Pierce playing the four last year in the playoffs. So. Uh, in terms of what the Wizards want to do, I think Morris helps you quite a bit. The interesting thing is you still have Garrett Temple starting while Bradley Beal is coming off the bench. And I think that should stay that way for the rest of the season. And here's why. You don't know when Bradley Beal is going to have to take a game off here, take 10 games off here. Just leave him off the bench. What you get off the bench is what you get, but don't mess up that starting five. Try to really hammer it out so that's your starting five. You can rely on that. They get lots of minutes, lots of reps together. I just... From an injury standpoint and the fact that Beal is just not somebody you can really trust to be on the court for even 70 games a season, that it doesn't make sense to move him into that starting five. And so let's, you know what, let's just recreate an Oklahoma City, James Harden off the bench type of thing where you're playing a Tabo and you're starting five. It's not hurting you because Wall, Morris, Gortat, they can all score just fine enough. Yeah, I think this is the first game they really unleashed Morris. I mean, if you look at the the six games prior, it was he was capped at you know he had 28 minutes in that loss to the Bulls. Didn't really do much in that game. Only made one shot. But other than that, he was capped in the 21, 22 minute range. They finally kind of let him go uh, in this game against Philly, and this is exactly what they need from him: just diverse scoring, rebounding for a team like you said that likes to play small, uh, and then moving the ball around a little bit. Probably not going to get five assists out of Morris on most nights, but. They just need another threat because if you roll out that lineup of, of Otto Porter, who, who's gotten better, he's a decent scorer off the dribble in transition, a decent spot-up shooter. hasn't That's kind of fallen off a little bit since the start of the year. Beal, who's in and out. Um, you know, Gortat, who can score around the rim, score a little bit in the mid-range. And then you have that guy like Dudley. Uh, Drew Gooden sometimes runs that role. Alan Anderson will probably fill it when he's back. Um and those guys really aren't scoring threats, and it, it leaves a lot of the onus on John Wall. And if Brad Beal is is sitting out, or is limited, is having an off night, all of a sudden this team struggles to score badly. And and I, I think from that regard, Morris didn't really seem like the best fit for this team necessarily. Uh, but they just need they just needed somebody really who could be a playmaker. And he might not be you know the best guy for this locker room. He might not be the most amicable player to get along with. But this is. This is kind of the move that they had to make to try to save their season. And, you know, if you're judging from the last week, I guess it's worked. I mean, they beat the Cavs on Sunday. They bookend that with, with wins over Philadelphia. Games that, you know, those two Philadelphia games, of course, you should win uh, regardless. But all of a sudden, they're right back in the thick of things. Yeah, most definitely. I do wonder how much John Wall can take. Uh, I, I mean, I know he's a young guy. He can still do do well. But, you know, if, if this dynamic stays the same over the next few years, that's, I mean, he's really doing everything for them. And so I'd be a little cautious with that. Um, I'm glad you mentioned Otto Porter because he's coming along nicely. I think he's progressing. Um, he hasn't had too much of a load to start out with over his first uh a couple years. I mean, they've really eased him into things, right? And so ideally, I think that's how you would do it, um, especially with someone like him who's who we thought it was going to be a good player, but you know, not necessarily so, like a talent that needs to get on the court right away, uh, like like we thought a Jabari Parker was, or you know, people coming up like His a Ben Simmons. Different than I thought it would be. He's more he's more diverse certainly than I thought. I, I kind of thought I kind of thought of him. Maybe I didn't see enough of him at Kansas, but I was surprised at how how good he is off the dribble. Georgetown, yeah. right? Who? Otto Porter came from oh, Georgetown. I'm sorry, I thought you. I'm, I spaced out. I thought you were talking about Marquise Morris. Oh, <laughs> no, definitely Kansas. No, no, I'm talking about Otto Porter. Okay. Like they've kind of eased him into the yeah, things. So, they've well, let was, him like he, was, he had that hip injury. Right, right. Year. I mean, he didn't 
Whitman, it sounded like, was just frustrated with him. Yeah. I mean, he didn't play till what, 40, 50 games in last year? Or two yeah, years? it was really odd. I mean, it was like a, a really soft, considering he was uh, like third overall, second overall, I think. I guess we'll look it up in his draft class. So, um, he was top five, that's for sure. I mean, it was, it was a, certainly a weak draft, the Anthony Bennett draft. The Anthony Bennett draft. draft. The draft. Nice. Um, yeah, so Alan Anderson, by the way, has played in three games, and he has the best plus minus on the team. Obviously, it's not a great sample size, but, I mean, if you're looking at an early indication why Whitman loves him so much, I think his plus minus is eight average over those three games where he's only playing 15 minutes a game. So um, whatever you want to say about small, it. Wait, small sample size. That's fair enough, fair Just enough. Missing. Um, all right, anything else we want to get to? We'll probably keep this one a little bit shorter. Not not a huge slate of games last night, not a huge slate of games tonight. Yeah, that's fair enough. I just want to do I want to talk about one thing and it can just be real quick. I more of a question than anything. Utah and Boston played last night. I think they're two of the best coached teams in the NBA and they have two of the best, you know, like young rosters. Maybe not so much Boston. Um I think you can say that. But in terms of what they're getting out of their players, I think it's pretty good. And so right now, I'm thinking that Utah and Boston are showing more promise in terms of making it to the playoffs, making noise in the playoffs over the next few years than your Minnesota's Milwaukee's and Orlando's would you disagree with that I would disagree I think Milwaukee can be there I think they need to figure out what they're going to do at center I think that that could kind of that could change things pretty drastically for this team I think if they move on from Monroe and are able to maybe flip him and, and get another couple rotation pieces because they are pretty shallow off the bench I mean you got Rashad Vaughn who's been playing well ish as a rookie I mean he, he probably not a guy most teams playoff contending teams would have in the rotation they just need to add a few guys basically um i think they can be close but that's that's still a big if you know we're talking about a team that's 10 games under minnesota i i think you just got to chalk this one up to what happened with flip saunders i mean you, you lose not only your coach you lose your gm and then you you hand the reins off to a guy who should not be coaching this team or any team um so i'm willing to give them a pass just because it the town's talent is so evident that, I mean, he's the best player on any of these five teams by a pretty good margin, right? Long yeah, Utah. Close. I mean, if you want to say, hey, you wouldn't say Gobert because yeah. Towns is way more skilled on the offensive Rodney end. Hood might even be a better asset than Gobert right now. Yeah. I mean, Orlando, Orlando's like Utah and Boston. They have, they all have nice pieces, but is there right. one indispensable player on any of these rosters no. other than probably Giannis for Milwaukee? Yeah. I mean, you would have said maybe about Gordon Hayward two years ago, but he is what he is. Um, I know you love to use that phrase, but anyways, I think Utah and Boston is more reliable. Like if I'm putting money on the line or something, I, I, I definitely feel more confident about Utah and Boston, but Minnesota and Milwaukee have that like, Man, who knows if if they could just like a two or three three things tweaked, like a coach, like a GM, or you know a center position, then they have far more potential. But right now, I just think it was kind of fun to watch a two really good young coach teams um, duke it out, and it was a good good game. Well, right, Boston and Utah are in the showing it now stage. Milwaukee, right. Minnesota, it's fun to talk about, but they haven't proven anything. So until they do that, um, you know, I mean, certainly Boston and Utah are, are a cut above, both in the standings and, and just kind of where they're at as franchises. Uh, but, you know, I don't think it would surprise too many people if, if Milwaukee and Minnesota are in these same spots in a couple of years, maybe even as early as next year. Need a website? Why not do it yourself with Wix.com? No matter what business you're in, Wix has something for you. It's used by more than 75 million people worldwide. 
which makes it easy to get your website live today. You need to get the word out about your business. It all starts with a stunning website with hundreds of designer-made customizable templates to choose from, the drag-and-drop editor. There's no coding needed. You don't need to be a programmer or a designer to create something beautiful. You can do it yourself with Wix.com. Wix empowers business owners to create their own professional websites every day. When you're running your own business, you're bound to be busy, too busy, too busy worrying about your budget, too busy scheduling appointments, too busy to build a website for your business. And because you're too busy, it has to be easy. And that's where Wix.com comes in. With Wix, it is easy and it's free. Go to Wix.com to create your own website today. That's W-I-X.com to create your own website. The result is stunning. One more quick thing here. Before we move into trivia, Nick, if you want to try out the Rotowire website itself, of course, we're doing lots of player updates. Rondo's status changed maybe five to six times last night. We wrote a player note for every single one of those changes. So if you're really trying to get in touch with what's going on with players leading up to game times, um, I, that's the Kings more than anything. That's just like a, such a Kings move to change his status five or six times before, like one hour before tip-off. I like uh, to think Rondo's probably in charge of his own status. The medical team probably doesn't have a ton of say with him. Yeah, no, you're you're certainly right about that. And you just, I mean, just look at his play on the court. You can probably understand that in the fact that he got bounced from Dallas uh, in the playoffs. So regardless, uh, we have lots of great tools, uh, lineup optimizers, great if you're playing on DraftKings. Also with baseball coming up, if you're playing in your baseball league, never done that before. The, the player pool is ridiculous. Lots of pre-draft rankings. You can get them customizable, put onto your specific league. So check it out, rotowire.com forward slash pod, P-O-D for free 10 days of access. Hit us up on Twitter if you have any questions about that. Without further ado, trivia. This is the backbone of our podcast. It's every bone of the podcast. <laughs> it's a redeeming quality. All right, Nick. So lots of contemporary questions here. This is all about this season. Um, understand you're kind of getting your first glance at it. Uh, it'd be a little interesting one. No alma maters this week, so I apologize for that. I know you like to We're show off your guys. skill. Were you seriously are running out of guys? So... Uh, let's get into it. So who leads the Boston Celtics in rebounding per game this year? Per game. Per game. Well, they got everybody plays 20 minutes for them. Is it Jared Sollinger? It's Jared Sollinger with 8.6. Care to take a guess who 2 and 3 is? Um, is Jay Crowder one of those? Jay Crowder is number 3 with 5.1. Pretty good on him considering okay. he plays small forward. How about Amir Johnson? There you go, six point two. So Cylinder right. Johnson Crowder. Late in that game last night too. Yeah, exactly. Good job there. Uh, who leads the Charlotte Hornets, the Crying Jordans, in assists? Nick Batum. Yeah, good pull. Five point five. Take that, Kemba Walker. Yeah, exactly. So Kemba Walker is second, even though he's the starting point guard with five point one. And then Jeremy Lin, who plays shooting guard, plays a lot of backup point guard for Kemba Walker at three point two. So Badum showing his versatility. Man, that guy's good. He is very good. He's very good at basketball. Um, who leads Cleveland in second chance points? Nick, I know you know what second chance points I are, do. but just to clear it up here, a second chance point comes after. You have an offensive rebound. So that's the black and white definition. Uh, 
Tristan Thompson? Yeah. Okay. You're rolling. I was, th- I was tempted to guess J.R. Smith because he seems to be on the receiving end of Thompson rebound. Kick yes. Out. <laughs> and then, you know, the leg kicks out as J.R. shoots the three. But all right, Tristan. Tristan Thompson with two, 2.6 per game. I would love uh, 2.6 points per game. Sec- and those are second chance right. points. So that's pretty good margin considering he averages less than 10 a game, I'm assuming. Uh I like to think though that he just misses an easy layup and then he grabs it and puts it back in. So that that counts as second chance points. I mean, it's basically a basket and a half per game, which doesn't sound that impressive, but I think on the whole that's probably pretty good. That's why he's there. That's why he's on the Cavs is for second chance points. So Love and James come in second with 2.3 and 2.2 respectively. Uh this one is designed to trip you up. Excellent. Paul George obviously has the best plus minus on the Indiana Pacers at plus 2.9. They have a team average of plus 1.8. But who is second best at 2.8? Is there a minimum like minutes played or games played threshold? Sure, we'll say 15 games played, oh, um, which is essentially everybody on their roster. Jordan Hill? Not Jordan Hill. Interesting guess. Miles Turner? Not Miles Turner. Good guess as well. Think who would be on? It's got to be somebody who's on the court with Paul George. You think uh, Monte? Not Monte. George Hill. Not George Hill. Budinger. No. Uh, Lavoy Allen. Lavoy Allen. Nick Whalen hates oh. Lavoy Allen. Well, you don't hate him. But your best line of this entire season podcast is Paul George playing the four is not so much. Paul George doing well at the four. It's a keeping the Lavoy Allen off the court type of thing. So yeah, I knew that one would trip you up. Everybody has a Lavoy Allen, you know, for the, sure. for the Bucks, it's Johnny O'Brien for the Cavs. It's Richard Jefferson. Um, I'm not going to go all through all 32, but every team has a Lavoy that maybe I'm being disproved. Maybe they need more Lavoy Allen. Yeah. Jeff Green has been that player on every single yes. team he's ever played for. Yes, he has. Uh, who has the best plus minus on Toronto? Um, so which Raptors player? Which Raptors player? Yeah. Uh, Patrick Patterson. Yeah. How, nice pulls, man. You're crushing these. Uh, I don't know. It is what it is. He's playing well. He's playing well. Six plus six this season. And this he's is been, per he's game. Really good. Yeah. They've that, kind of they've been kind of underwhelming with Scola defensively. So I think that takes away from guys like DeRozan and Lowry's plus minus. Fair enough. So Lowry is at 4.8. Joseph, Corey Joseph is at 4.7. Care to venture what DeRozan ranks on plus or minus? Having a great year, all-star year, getting lots of buzz, but where does he plus rank on? 1.7. One, he's 1.6, yeah. This is this is crazy, and which is seventh on the team. So you've got guys like Bismack Biombo with better plus minus. Of course, you can read into what, it what you want, but I will say, sixty games into the season, plus or minus is going to be about as good as you could ever hope it'd be, right? I think so. Yeah, I mean, it's you're always going to find people who who don't love plus or minus, and there certainly are great reasons for that. But yeah, I, mean, I think it, the sample size isn't going to get a whole lot better. All right, uh, who leads Golden State in fouls per game? Raymond? He's second. He averages three. Nope. Bogut. Bogut at 3.2, which is too obvious. All right. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Which says quite a bit. Uh, Green has three. Vergeau has three, although he's only played in a couple games. And Azili has 2.3. I'm going to switch it up with you here. So uh, who leads the league in minutes per game? Is it Jimmy Butler? It is Jimmy Butler. Man. You're in Fuego, man. I'm hot. 
You're hot. I'm hot. Search it out. 37.9 mi- minutes per game for Jimmy Butler, obviously. He's still hurt. So, Tibbs is running those guys under the ground, man. Yeah, seriously. Come on, Hoiberg. Uh, all right. Who has obtained a triple-double this season? I will list off the names, and you say yay or nay. Anthony Davis. No. Anthony Davis does not have a triple-double. And how foolish are all of us to say he'll be the first one to get a quad-double or a quintuple-double. And yet, He's got time, man. What is he, 22, 23? Guy doesn't even have a triple-double. Come on. Uh, Kemba Walker. I think he does. He does not have a triple-double this season. Yeah, I don't. I guess he's never really gotten close with rebounds. No, closest he's gotten was he had a thirteen nine and seven game. Yeah, pretty close, pretty yeah. close. So, All right. uh, Raymond Felton. Hell no. Yes, he has a triple double this year. Hell yes, Nick Whalen. Wait, what? Hell yes. When did this? How did I? This should have been a cultural event. When did this? I happen? feel like I slept on this too. So when I was doing my research, I I had no idea. Oh yeah, sure enough. Yep, December twelfth, the game in a loss. Of course. 10, 11, and 11. So bare minimum there. Uh, what were we doing on December 12th? There must have been something That's massive going on. That yeah. Was a... I got to check my calendar. Uh-huh. Oh, well, that was a Saturday. So. Oh, yeah. Nice try, Raymond. Sneaking sure. that one in. I'm trying to like, I was like, Rotowire company function something. on December 12th. Something like that my happened. phone has been broken. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> so Raymond Felton, yes. Anthony Davis, no. If If we're trying to keep a log of this kind of thing here. So the Gasol brothers, Pau Gasol, yes or no? I think he's. I think he does. Yeah, he does. does. Pau Gasol has one triple double this year. Marc Gasol. He had a triple double last game. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think that's awesome. <laughs> Marc Gasol. Uh, I'm going to say also yes. Yes, Marc Gasol. Yes, I actually answered your question. So thanks for not listening to me. Uh, who has more double doubles this season? This season between the Gasol wow. brothers, yeah, by far. He's a double double almost every game. Thirty four games a season. Mark has one in nine nine games a season for a double double. What about Dame Lillard? No, no, he does not. Kyle Lowry. Uh, I think he does. Yes, he has one triple double this season. Finishing strong here with your boy. Brandon Knight. Yes. He certainly does. Triple double. Who would forget that? Uh say you crush this. And what I think it says more than anything else, if I'm being very genuine here, is that you have a very good pulse on night in, night out NBA Triple stuff. Doubles. Triple double stuff. Yeah. Besides besides December twelfth, apparently. Page, whenever I open up a new tab in in uh, Chrome is just the list of who's had a triple double this year. So I'm very <laughs> familiar. Can you name off any other players that have a triple double? Uh, LeBron Flocka James uh-huh. has one. Giannis has two. Yep. Um, how, how many more are there even? One, two, three, four, five. Yes, six, seven. Draymond's got one. Eight, nine, ten. Draymond's probably got more than one. Curry. Eleven. Curry, I yep. just saw last night Curry has four games with triple doubles in the first three quarters in his career already. Curry does? Yeah. Westbrook almost had one in the second quarter Westbrook last has night. Like Fifteen games, triple doubles three, three quarters. There was, there was there was a graphic on on ESPN. I think he was, it was a bar graph, and like Westbrook's bar is like three <laughs> times as far. I think LeBron was second. He had seven games of a triple double in three quarters. 
ESPN loves their bar graphs, by the way. They do a good job. Uh, so I'll name off some of the some of the ones that you're missing here. So obviously Draymond Green, Rajon Rondo, Hassan Whiteside has really come on strong of late oh, off yeah. the bench. Ain't nobody doing it with blocks. Nobody doing it with blocks, man. Nobody. Does Wall have any this year? Wall does. So Wall has played in 59 games and he has two triple doubles. Um, right. Durant, of course, has of course. one. Demarcus Cousins, one. James, you already mentioned one. Lowry, Knight, the Gasols. Oladipo has one. That's kind of his style of game, though. Oladipo, whoa, I didn't realize that. Yeah, Nick Batum, who we talked about earlier, has one. Marcus Smart would be the last guy that has a triple-double who we have not mentioned yet. Ugh, I wasn't smart enough to think of that one. And we'll end the pot on that joke. They're going to kill the love of my life. Casey! If I don't go back to what I was doing. This Friday... Our line of work is quite brutal and quite ruthless. How far would you go for love? You steal truck, bring it to me. Then you make your money. Is it dangerous? Of course it's dangerous! Nicholas Holt, Felicity Jones, with Ben Kingsley and Anthony Hopkins. All this trouble, all this pain for love. Collide in theaters Friday. Rated PG-13. Maybe inappropriate for children under 13. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day from Movement. Whether your mom is into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, Movement has something she'll love. And right now, everything at Movement is up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale. A watch is a gift that celebrates all the time you spent with mom. And a Movement watch is even more than that. Movement uses industry-leading materials for their fresh modern watch designs, from technically complex ceramics to vintage-inspired style. All for an incredible value your wrist and wallet will both love. And with one-size-fits-all convenience and fast free shipping and returns, it's a stress-free shopping experience. Save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with Movement. Get up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com.